are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. In 2002, the Ohio Highway Patrol launched an education campaign called What's Holding You Back? The whole campaign, the idea of the campaign was to emphasize the importance of seatbelts. Seatbelts save lives, and they do save lives. And so the phrase communicated by the Ohio Highway Patrol spoke to the importance of keeping something bad from happening. Another way that phrase is commonly used is as it relates to keeping someone from, not just something bad happening, but keeping them from being able to do something or go somewhere that would be positive. And so you might hear it said, what's holding you back from maybe achieving a dream That phrase is pretty popular, and it's from this context that I want to ask this question as a title today, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Now, I will confess this morning, or maybe not confess, I think it's always important to use the Bible when you preach. And I'm going to use the Bible today to preach. So if you've got a Bible, pull it out. Because I believe the Lord wants to speak to our hearts through his word. We begin in Acts chapter 2. And maybe you're familiar with Acts chapter 2 if you've grown up around the Pentecost movement. But Acts chapter 2 tells us that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one cord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Everyone say mighty wind. This day of Pentecost came on the heels of Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And so now these group of disciples who are followers of Jesus find themselves in an upper room, so to speak. They're gathered together and they're waiting for the promise of the Father, which Jesus told them in Luke chapter 24 that I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you, but wait until the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And so there they are, they're gathered together, and it says that they, they were together, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that the, the Spirit began to move on them like a mighty rushing wind. Everyone say wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That initial experience of the promise of the Father came with wind. It came with this 
evidence of speaking in another language. And so when this happened, there were people who had gathered. It was a feast time. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast. And so there were people from all over the world that had gathered in Jerusalem. And so here these 120 were in the upper room. They were speaking a language that they themselves didn't know. But the people from across the world began to hear them speaking in tongues and said, wait a second, that sounds like our language. How do they know our language? And they were a little bit confused by this experience. And so they said their only thought was they must be drunk. Something's wrong. They must be high on something. Something is different. But Peter, in Acts chapter 2, 14, Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judah, and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk As you suppose, they're drunk, but just not as you think they're drunk. They've lost their mind, but not the way you think they've lost their mind. Said they're not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He's speaking to a group of Jews, and so he hearkens back to a prophecy And he said, the prophet Joel said this, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And when this happens, your sons and your daughters will begin to prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. He said that they received the spirit. They have received the outpouring of my spirit. And because of this, they're speaking something. They're beginning to prophesy. And he said, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then he says this, he's going to introduce them now to an idea. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Let me tell you what's happening here. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. You've heard about this man, Jesus, which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. You've heard about this. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and you have crucified and put to death. He said, this Christ, this Jesus the Christ, that this spirit that you're feeling has to do with this Jesus the Christ. This spirit that you just heard and you've kind of witnessed, this has to do with no one else but Jesus Christ. And what happened to Jesus Christ? He said, Jesus Christ died. You put him to death. 
Can I remind us, if you don't know the story, that Jesus was crucified and Jesus died. He was put on a cross, nailed to a cross, and blood came out of his body, and he was beaten, and he was scorned, and he was mocked, and he was literally murdered. He was executed. Jesus died, and death always wins, so to speak. Death seems to always have the final say. And Jesus died. He was buried. It was as if death had a grip on him. Death had pulled him under. Everything that he thought he was, everything that everyone wanted him to be was now buried. All of the miracles, all of the signs, all of the wonders were placed in a tomb and he was buried. Death had a hold of him. Can I remind us today of the writings of Colossians and the writings of Ephesians that tell us that that we too are dead in our trespasses and sins? Can I tell you today that if you're living in sin, if you are living a life of sin, that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're being held under. Death literally has a grip on your life. We are without hope in a life of sin. We are without any possible prosperity or purpose when we live in sin. It's a dead end road. Can I tell somebody today, your life just lived to yourself and lived in sin while it may feel okay in the moment and while it may feel like everything is fine. Can I tell you the end game of sin is always death. It's always death. It's always going to be to bury you underneath shame, to bury you underneath guilt, uh, to bury you underneath condemnation. That is the end game uh, of sin. Always. And Jesus died and he was put to death. But Peter says something that I find interesting and it is the text of my message today. He said, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. But then he doesn't end there. He said, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Loosed the pains of death. And then this little phrase, because it is not possible that he should be held by it. Oh, death thought it had Jesus buried in a tomb. But God said, no, I'm going to raise him up. It is not possible that he could be held back by death. Loosed loosed the pains. That's a birthing term that death couldn't hold him like a mother can't hold back a baby being born. That the tomb literally became a womb. That Christ became the savior. Christ became the one who saves us from our sin because he would be raised up. And so why could death not hold him? Why was it not possible that Jesus should be held by death? I would suggest first that it's not possible for Jesus to be held by death because obedience ensures victory. 
It was impossible for him to stay in the grave because obedience ensures victory. Paul would write to the Philippians, he would say, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because of his obedience, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Can I tell you today that obedience still ensures victory over sin. Your obedience to the gospel still ensures victory over sin. Yes, it requires a death. Yes, it requires a surrender. That's why we repent of our sins. We say that we're turning from sin. We're dying to our old man because obedience ensures victory. And so if you have not surrendered your heart to the Lord, can I tell you, obedience to the word of God ensures that you can find victory over sin. Some of you might not even think that victory over, the, over sin is possible, but I'm telling you today, victory over sin is possible. Victory over your sin nature is possible. Victory over your addictions is possible. Victory over your bad habits is possible. Victory is possible. Oh, hallelujah. And so he said that Jesus couldn't be held by death because obedience ensures victory. It's not possible for Jesus to be held by death because the promises of God are sure. It's not possible that he could stay in the grave because the promises of God are sure. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. It's this obedience to God. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you're going to surrender to the Lord, you've got to surrender to God's idea and God's plan, not your plan. You're not going to come to God and do it your own way. You're not going to be saved following your own roadmap to salvation. You're going to be saved because you realize his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we realize that obedience ensures victory, but we also realize that the promises of God are sure because Isaiah would continue to write. He said, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and it brings forth the bud and that it may give seed to the sower and bread 
to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, and it shall not return me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hand. And here's the passage. He said, my word's not going to return void. It's not coming back. If I've spoken it, it's going to happen. If I spoke the Savior into the world, it's going to happen. But he says, instead of the thorn shall come up a cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be the Lord for a name, for an everlasting shine that shall not be cut off. He said, instead of the curse coming out of the ground, it's going to be a cypress tree. It's going to be a place of fruit. It's going to be a place of sustenance. It's going to be a place of life. And what was buried and thought to be a briar and a thorn and a curse is going to come up as a blessing. And it's going to be a strong blessing that's not just going to bless one or two, but it's going to bless every man that exists. And that's why Jesus had to come out of the ground. He couldn't stay buried just as come up as a thorn. The crown of thorns was placed on his head, but he was coming up as the first fruits, as a mighty tree. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Can I remind you today? His word is true. Every word that is spoken in his word, everything that's declared in his word is true. And you can have it today. Every promise that's written in the word of God is for you today. That's why we can have mercy in this house today because his word says his mercy endures forever. That's his promise. That's his promise. Oh, hallelujah. His word brings life. Where there was once death, his word is speaking to some of you today and is going to bring life. Hope is going to come where there was despair. Freedom is going to come where there was bondage. Light is going to come where there was darkness. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Death couldn't hold Jesus because the promises of God are true. And they are sure. Oh, hallelujah. And it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. Because resurrection power always overcomes death. Resurrection power always overcomes death. It always has and it always will. Resurrection power allows us to be loosed from the pains of death. See, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, it says there was a, a wind, a mighty wind that blew through the house. In Genesis chapter 2, 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living being. That God's intention was that you and I would have eternal life because of the breath of God. 
that you and I would experience the power of eternal life because of the breath of God. But because of sin, we now experience death and the breath of God is taken from us. That breath that was meant for us to live eternally is now taken from us. But Jesus, when he came to this world, he said that I'm not just going to leave you without eternal life. I'm not going to leave you without breath in your lungs. Jesus himself said this to his disciples. He gathered them out after his resurrection. And he said, peace to you. In John chapter 20, as the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. I don't believe this was that Jesus was pouring out the Spirit, but he was signifying to them something very important that I want to end with today. Something very important, that the breath of God comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from any other way. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, so I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to demonstrate to you how it's going to come. It's going to come through me. It's going to come through breath. It's going to come through wind. And so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one cord in one place. And a mighty sound and a mighty wind came through and began to breathe into that place. I believe it signified to them that it was not just the breath of some other deity, but it was Jesus Christ breathing into them the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Because Jesus would tell them in John chapter 7, 39, but this spake he concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Those believing in him, Jesus would receive for the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Can I tell you that resurrection power, the resurrection power we need to overcome death comes through Jesus Christ. Peter would tell those who assumed that they were drunk, he said, this Jesus, in chapter 2, verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Jesus was the one who had the power to pour out the Holy Spirit. What did they see and hear? They heard them speaking in other tongues. They heard them receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But why did it come and where did it come from? It came, he said, this Jesus... God has raised up this man, Jesus, God has raised up and therefore he has been exalted to the right hand. It doesn't mean that he stands on the right side of the father. It literally means that he has all power and authority. This man was changed into a life giving spirit. And now he represents one commentary said it's like, or when, when they would fight in the old Testament or when they would fight, they would use the 
right hand. The sword was in the right hand. The power was in the right hand. The shield was in the left hand, but the power was in the right hand. And Jesus became the authority of God. He became the power of God. He became the, the, the thing that brought execution to the enemy. He destroyed death. And so he's exalted to the right hand. He's given all power. And now when they receive the Holy Spirit, they're not receiving another person. They're receiving the one true God. They're receiving Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. See, the Holy Spirit comes through Christ. This is in Luke chapter 24. He said this, Jesus said, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, who? Who sends it? I send the promise of my Father upon you. I send Jesus said, I'm going to send the spirit to you. John would write about it in John 14. He said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. I'm Jesus and I will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. A little while longer and the world sees me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. You're buried in sin. You're held back by sin. But Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you to just squander in death, but I'm going to breathe life into you. I'm going to bring hope to you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. power of the gospel is found. The power of the gospel is found in the resurrection of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 15. And I apologize for you feeling uneasy about me reading this long of a passage. I don't apologize for reading the passage. First Corinthians 15 verse one. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach. Paul is teaching now the Gentiles. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and I in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. This is the gospel, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. He said, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. 
If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. If the only thing you have to live for is this life, and your only relationship with Christ has to do with the relationship you have with him in this life, then he said it's pitiful. He said, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And what has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep? For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. The only way resurrection has power is through Christ. We are made alive through Christ. And he said the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or other grain. In other words, what's put in the ground is different than what comes up out of the ground. What's put in the ground is different than what comes out of the ground. Jesus was put into the ground as a man. Now let's keep reading because I want to get way ahead. But Jesus gives a, or God gives a body as he pleases and to each seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the body of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is the glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in its glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. But it's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It's sown in death. It's sown in sin. But when it comes out, out of the ground, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It's sown in adversity. It's sown in struggle and trouble. But it is raised up in power. Oh, hallelujah, I feel the power of the Lord in this place. I feel the power of the Lord in this place. I, I prayed for a revelation of who Jesus is today. I pray that somebody gets a true revelation of who Jesus is today. Oh, hallelujah. And he says, it is sown a natural body. It's sown as a natural body, but it is raised up 
a spiritual body. There is a natural body that's of death now, and there is a spiritual body. But watch what he says. And so it is written. And so it is written. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. He became a natural man. But the last man, Adam, Jesus Christ, didn't just stay a man. He didn't just stay dead. But he said, I'm going to raise up and I'm not going to just be an ordinary man, but I'm going to be a life-giving spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You serve an awesome God today. You serve an amazing God today. God was manifest in the flesh and God was justified in the spirit. You serve one God today and his name is Jesus. You don't serve three, you don't serve four, you don't serve two. You serve one God and his name is Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. So Paul would continue to write in chapter 15, verse 50. He said, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory what's holding you back today what's holding you back today oh hallelujah death is swallowed up in victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, here's the idea. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive what they received in Acts chapter 2, you are not receiving a separate part of God. You are receiving all of God. You are receiving Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's a life-giving spirit. And so that's why Paul would say in Colossians chapter 2, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit according to, to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Christ, for in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are what? Complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power.
Jesus. Jesus is his name. He's our savior today. He's our Lord today. He's our spirit today. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive Jesus inside of you. I could just keep going on and on. Paul would lay out this and I'm done. Ephesians chapter two, verse number one. And you, he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins made us alive together with Christ by grace have you been saved by grace have you been saved you were given a gift you didn't deserve his name is Jesus hallelujah so what's holding you back why are you letting death have its way in your life Because I have resurrection power. I want to ask somebody today, do you have resurrection power? Do you have resurrection power? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. He's going to bring life into this room today. He's going to bring life into this room today. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can receive it today. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Somebody needs life. You need life. You're buried in death. You're buried in discouragement. You're buried in struggle and pain. I want you to step forward. The life giver is in the room today. The Spirit of God, Jesus himself, is in this room today. Yes, he's in a different form. Yes, he's been changed, but he's a life-giving spirit. Some of you need a touch of the Spirit today. You need Jesus Christ in your life like never before. Come on. Come on. Come on. He's here today. He's here today. You need healing in your body? Step forward. The life giver. The life giver is in this place. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. You want his spirit. You want Jesus to be in your life. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I want to receive your gift today. I want to receive your gift today. He's going to set somebody free today. He's going to set somebody free today. He's going to set somebody free today. There's resurrection power in this place today. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Come on. We're going to take just a few more minutes. If you want to step forward before we go into a time of prayer, I believe he's going to pour out his spirit in a powerful way. Some of you need refill. Some of you need a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel an upper room experience happening here. We're going to feel the breath of God today. God's going to breathe into some dead areas in our life. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now. I pray for your spirit to sweep over us. I pray for your spirit to sweep over us right now. Baptize us. Baptize us. Baptize us. Jesus, you are the one true God of the Bible. You are the one true God of the Bible who has come to set the captives free. You have come to break every addiction and every lie in the name of Jesus. 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 That's it. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.